Alrighty, hello again everyone and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 21st day of February 2023. Happy Tuesday to you. I am Derek Hunter, as you know, since the name is right there in the title. And I am your host for the next hour or so-ish, maybe longer. Who the hell knows? And uh, appreciate you guys listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. Don't forget the contest this week. At patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com is a battle royale between South Dakota Governor Christy Nome and number one New York Times bestselling author Brad Thor. That's right. You get to choose an autographed book of either one of them. Depending on which one you want, you just write in the comment section which one you want to get. Should your name be pulled? And should your name be called, you win that book. The po- the pictures of the books are right there. The pictures of the autographs are right there. All legit, in fact, as the great philosopher M.C. Hammer put it, it's too legit to quit. All right, let us get started with the program. Action-packed program, as we always have. Let's start off the President of the United States, if you feel a strange disturbance in the force. It's that Joseph Robinette Biden is in Ukraine, in Kiev. I refuse to call it Kiev. I'm not. It's Kiev. Okay. It's just like the chicken dish. That's where it comes from. I think. I don't know. I don't care. But that's how it's always been pronounced. Every once in a while, this is just a thing of control. The left changes the pronunciation of words, the definitions of words, just to see how many people they can get to jump through the hoops. You notice that? Hey, it's the uh, Andrew Carnegie is just one. Now, Andrew Carnegie. Wait a second. Just shut up. Whatever we tell you is what you have to say. Oh, it is uh, Kiev. Yeah, it's chicken. Now it's uh, Kiev. Anybody ever order chicken Kiev? I hope your waiter smacks you upside the head if you try. Like, I'll take chicken Kiev. Ow! Hey, what? Shut, uh, we're not going to serve you today, sir. I'm afraid you're going to have to leave. It'd be completely justified. You put me on that jury, I would vote to acquit. But Joe Biden is over there. A show of solidarity and support. This is the last world leader. I, I, I think like the president of Kmart before it went out of business made a trip to Ukraine before Joe Biden did. Like everybody's been to Ukraine. Finally, Joe goes over there and he's doing his little Biden shuffle. No offense to Joe Biden and no offense. Actually, I don't care if there's offense to Joe Biden, but no offense to the elderly. My father isn't moving as briskly as he used to. He uses a walker because he's got no cartilage in his knees. He's got the will. He's got the ability. And uh, when he's outside, he just uses a cane. But he's got no cartilage in his knees. It's bone on bone. So he, he's not going to be running a marathon anytime soon. Plus, he's 80, what the hell year is it? 82 years old. And uh, it's too late to have knee replacement. They tell you, once you get a chance to get the joints replaced, he didn't do it because he, he didn't want to be in rehab for extended periods of time when my mom was still alive. And so uh, he missed his window, and he regrets it. I wish there were just some way to like do a little slice in the knee and just slide some piece of sponge or something in there. Just get the bone off the bone. That's not too much to ask. The pain... Doesn't pain pills? You really got to be kind of doped up to the point of not moving to 
override that kind of pain. But um, he's got that that move, that shuffle, because he's in pain. But it's not the same kind of shuffle that Joe Biden has. Joe Biden has the kind of shuffle that when I was a kid, there was a uh, it's since closed down and now it's a vacant lot amongst many things. But down uh, the street from us, we lived at eight mile and just on the other side of seven mile. We lived on the bad side of eight mile, the other side of seven mile. Um, there was a nursing home, the small nursing home it was built in probably the 60s. It was very Soviet. It was a rectangle. It was ugly. Three stories, maybe just two. And every once in a while. Somebody would get out, a patient or I don't know what you call them, a resident would get out of the nursing home and you'd see them in their gown or their robe shuffling down the street. Not really. They just they're going somewhere in their mind that doesn't exist, but they're going there and you'd see the staff come running down the street to get them. Joe Biden walks like those people did. I don't mean that to be even mean to Joe Biden. I'm just telling you, Joe Biden walks like those people did that that weird shuffle of, oh, uh, I don't know. It's it is uh, intense purpose without direction or intense direction without purpose or whatever. Joe Biden just kind of does this weird shuffle. His torso almost freezes as he does this weird shuffle and he takes like half steps. It is not the walk of a well person. I don't know. Maybe it's not because he's senile. Maybe it's because he's in severe pain. Who knows? I don't really care. I'm just pointing it out. And he was doing that shuffle through the streets of Kiev today and I actually have the CNN report on this because they're making hay out of this thing. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I do have some questions. Actually, I have one specific question about this and all the reporting related to what Joe Biden is doing today. I'll explain what the hell I'm talking about after we listen to this CNN report. A significant moment on the world stage. President Biden met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky during this unannounced trip. It comes just days before the one-year mark of Russia's brutal invasion of Ukraine. This moment is highly significant. This morning, Biden sending a strong message of support to Ukrainians as air raid sirens wailed across Kyiv, underscoring the very real risk involved in this trip. Now, I wanted to leave the air raid part in there because the air raid part is the part that I have <sighs> questions. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as diplomatic as possible. I'm known for being super diplomatic and very reserved in my judgment, right? right? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call BS on this air raid. We didn't. You can watch the whole footage. It's all out there online of Joe Biden doing the curly shuffle as he walks down the street. Nobody around him or him himself, Zelensky, Secret Service, seem concerned at all that there are air raid sirens going off. Now, Joe Biden probably hears a ringing in his ear all the time. I imagine Zelensky is going to follow whatever lead Joe Biden gives him if there is, in fact, a real air raid. But what you don't hear anywhere is explosions. You don't hear explosions. 
Why would you not hear explosions? If, if there's an air raid or a missile warning or whatever the hell that siren is supposed to indicate, according to reports, then why would you not hear something from it? And if it were, in fact, real, do you believe for a second, say, there, there are missiles headed towards Kiev or a, a strike force, a air, Russian Air Force strike force headed towards Kiev? They are in a prime area that one would think you'd want to blow up if you're Vladimir Putin. Because what were we told at the beginning of this war? Zelensky had to go into hiding because a death squad of super agent Russian hitmen were dispatched into Ukraine to kill Zelensky. Remember that? Remember that? He's always from an undisclosed location in a bunker in his little T-shirt and, and fatigue. Oh, he's, he's hiding somewhere because the Russians are out to get him. Did Vladimir Putin just suddenly go, eh, I changed my mind, let him live? Does anybody believe that? If that was the strategy to cut the head off of the enemy, do you think they suddenly stopped doing that? And if they were bombing Kiev regularly or bombing Kiev literally... Do you think they would have uh, just let the president of the United States walk down, waddle down the street, shuffle down the street? Do you really believe that for a second? I don't believe that for a second, that you don't hear anything. I don't know. I mean, I've never been in an air raid. I didn't grow up during the Blitz in London. But I suspect that an air raid, they don't just go off because, hey, there could be something. Oh, no, it's just a flock of birds. All right. Turn on the air raid siren just in case. I don't think they do that. If you do it. For every little, let's just say, Chinese weather balloon that is launched over your country is set off an air raid and everybody panics, then what happens? You get a situation where it's the boy who cried wolf and the people who are supposed to take these things seriously go, I'm not going to take this seriously. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I've run into the basement far too many times for nothing to uh, where nothing had happened to sit there and you just become numb to it. You come numb now. It's possible that the Zelensky government is that dumb, but I think it's more possible, and dare I even say probable, that the people with the Biden team, meaning the White House political people, thought that it would be a striking image to see him shuffling through the streets with the air raid siren going off, because if you're a non, if you're an American. With no military background, nothing. Joe Biden has no military background. Five deferments and from the draft in Vietnam. He got an exemption ultimately because of horrible asthma that only allowed him to be a star running back, allegedly, both in high school and in college. But somehow he had severe asthma. If you uh, if you lived your whole life in those circumstances with that bit of a charmed life and protection. Hearing an air raid siren would be a little bit disconcerting. Nothing against Joe Biden. If I heard an air raid, if I'm over in some country and I hear an air raid siren, I might go, oh, crap, what are we going to do? I got to get out of here. That would be normal. Joe doesn't change anything. Now, maybe he's focusing on not falling. Who knows? But he doesn't change anything. And weirdly, the Secret Service doesn't change anything. You'd think they'd at least get closer to the president in case... Like uh, something's coming in toward the general direction of the city, moving a little bit closer to the president in case you got to pick him up and run. There's none of that. So I'm going to call BS on this because I think it was useful 
for having the visual and the audio. When you hear it, you know, you're going to see it a thousand times on TV. You're going to hear it all over radio. Oh, there was an air raid while Joe Biden was there. Hmm. Was there? And I think it is useful in that they were able to hurry along the media afterward. Look, the siren's going off. We can't really take questions right now. We're going to sit him in this chair. And he sat in the chair and he read a statement about how he's going to he's super unwavering in his support. It's really weird. He's got his legs crossed like a lady crosses their legs. I'm sorry if you don't know why a man crosses his legs differently. Yeah. If you don't know why a man crosses his legs differently, I don't know what to tell you. But um, he's got his legs crossed there and he is looking down at his thighs, I guess, thigh region. And then you see him pick up a card. He's got a cue card on his lap where he's talking about his unwavering support for Ukraine and for the people of Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. He's reading it. It's the only time he actually speaks coherently. So you can see why they might not want to have very many interactions with the press. They might not want to have very many interactions in front of cameras. Just enough. Make sure that he reads properly. Make sure he knows what he's doing. God, make sure he doesn't fall. And make sure you got a justification for all of it. And the perfect justification for all of it would be what? Would be... Air raid sirens. So am I cynical in thinking that maybe, just maybe, this thing was a little bit planned considering nobody in the White House acted any differently once the air raids? I don't care. If your whole uh, delegation, somebody's going to go, oh, crap, what are we going to do? Can I, can I go in? Can we go inside? Should we go inside the building? When you get none of that, you have to work under the belief, the realization that um, – Something else is something strange is afoot at the Circle K, in the words of the philosophers Bill and Ted. I don't think I'm that cynical. Maybe everybody else should be. I, I just want to point out that there's a possibility that the the air raid may well have been staged. The air raid siren. It's easy to turn on an air raid siren. And it makes Joe Biden look like who he's so brave. Look at the way that this draft dodger went up there and and managed to well is he, can you, you first of all you got to prove to me that joe biden is aware of his surroundings and what's going on before you get any credit from me whatsoever you have to prove to me that joe biden is cognizant of his surroundings then we can talk about whether or not he he knows what's going on but uh, yeah i find that uh, amusing but the the media reports are going to all be glowing why because that's what they do that's who they are it's embarrassing, should be embarrassing. It's disgraceful that the president of the United States hasn't taken any questions from these people and weeks, not any serious questions from them. But uh, they're not going to really get on him about that. Instead, they're just going to be nonstop pictures of, look, here's Zelensky and Joe Biden walking down the street. Here they are shaking hands. Here they are standing in front of the presidential palace, which kind of creepily looks like uh, the Disney castle. And all of this stuff, nonstop, constant, glowing. The uh, Wall Street Journal, even they say Wall Street Journal, that's right wing. It's not right wing. It's not conservative. The editorial page is conservative. The reporting is as liberal as anything else. 
President Biden left Kiev after meeting with Ukrainian President Zelensky and pledging U.S. support for, quote, as long as it takes. It's really, really easy. What Joe Biden was really doing there is checking on his money. You got to check the accounts every once in a while. You got to show up at the bank so they don't, especially when, like, the guy's 82 years old. Last time we saw him or heard from him, he can barely string together a coherent sentence. We're going to need proof of life every once in a while, or we're going to have to close the accounts. Actually, maybe they'd just be transferred into Hunter's name. Either way, Joe probably doesn't like that. But it is interesting that Joe Biden traveled to the other side of the world to visit Kiev before he traveled to midway across the country, not even midway across the country, to visit East Palestine or East Palestine, Ohio. Why? Well, Joe Biden isn't going to go to Ohio He's not going to go anywhere near that train wreck in Ohio because it's dangerous there. He could get sick. It's weird. He will brave air raids that don't exist. But he will not go to a place where his own EPA is insisting is 100% safe. Of course, they have no credibility. These are the very same people who assured the people of Flint that the drinking water in Flint, the beginning of that, was safe. And Barack Obama went there and drank a glass of water, allegedly. He didn't. He just put it up to his lips. You can see the video of that. It's pretty funny. But they insisted the water was safe. So stop whining. Stop complaining. Just make sure to vote for Democrats. That's all that really matters. You know. So, uh, yeah, it is interesting that Joe would not go. I don't even know. Has Joe said anything that I'm not that I'm aware of about the disaster in Ohio? He'd spent uh, $100 billion of our money on Ukraine, 10% for the big guy. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, it took two, three weeks for the EPA to finally say, okay, we're going to go in there. FEMA to go, all right, we'll, we'll consider this a disaster. It's weird how that works, isn't it? Will the president ultimately end up going to Ohio? Probably not. Right now, first of all, there's only about 30 percent, actually 20 percent, close to 30 percent of people who vote for Democrats in the area. And you can't really get fake photo ops when you have to weed through that many people. Just saying. By the way, since we're talking about Ukraine, let's talk a little bit about what we're getting for our money. Not much of anything. Joe Biden keeps on shoveling more of it over there, but we don't really get a ROI, a return on that investment. What we do get is a bunch of bluster from these people. See, if we're paying for it, there's no real incentive to, I don't know, try and negotiate some kind of peace. What do you mean, Derek? People are dying. You have to believe for that to matter that progressives give a damn about people and they don't. That politicians in general give a damn about people. They really don't. I don't know how many different times I had to explain it that the individual is disposable to the progressive left. Just disposable. Irrelevant. Chuck them out. Who cares? That's the way the world works. So you get this story from the UK Daily Mail. Kiev's security chief vowed that Ukraine's, quote, tanks will be parked on Moscow's Red Square, and that will be justice, end quote, ahead of the first anniversary of Putin's invasion. 
Oleski Danilov, Kiev's National Security and Defense Council boss, called Vladimir Putin Hitler's twin as he reiterated Ukraine's ambition to expel all Russian troops from its soil, including from Crimea, which was annexed by Moscow in 2014. By the way, the annexation of Crimea was not part of the condition uh, for peace at the beginning of this thing. You remember? Everybody kind of had accepted, look, you're not strong enough to defend your own borders. The annexation of Crimea was really not met with a whole lot of resistance by Ukraine, certainly not sustained resistance. But now it's like, well, you've got to get out of the Donbass region and Crimea. Why? If you want Russia out of Crimea... Shouldn't you have to expel them out of Don? I'm not trying to give them ideas because that just means that we'd have to set more money on fire to do it. But it strikes me as something that would be, in fact, necessary to be done militarily because that's how it works. But no, they just decided to demand it. The security boss previously warned the bloodiest battles are, quote, yet to come within the next few months in what would be a defining moment of the war amid warnings that the Russian president will soon launch a new offensive in the east of Ukraine to take control, at the very least, of Luhansk, Donetsk, and something with uh, three Zs in one word. I don't know what the hell that is. So a whole bunch of regions in eastern Ukraine. I'm sorry. I'm not I'm not up on my Ukrainian geography, mostly because why would I be, but also partially because I don't care. At some point, there should be a negotiated settlement of this thing. If you reach a stalemate, they say that Russia has like, engaged 97% of their military in this Ukrainian battle. That is... Uh, I would say a pretty good indication that the Russian military is a bit of a paper tiger, certainly compared to what it was or what we thought it was during the Cold War. We didn't really test it. That's the thing. We didn't really test it during the Cold War. We sort of did a proxy situation in Afghanistan, but we didn't do all that much in Afghanistan, which, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been able to do it. The Russians simply, maybe they were always a paper tiger. We don't know. But um, now they definitely are. I think it has to do with the, the Russia. There is a possibility, and we might have a bit of it in this country too, but not certainly not to the extent that in Russia and most third world countries. There is a possibility that the Russians were so corrupt, so absolutely corrupt, that they went and most of the the military got fat and lazy. They simply let it go. The commanders, the generals, whatever, were skimming off the top, and it's much easier to not show up for work, and you, you just slice off a bit of money, and you and nobody's going to notice it. What kind of Look, when Putin is stealing money left and right, who's, what is he going to say? How dare you steal money? <laughs> well, you, you've stolen the money. You're stealing a billion dollars a year, dude. I'm just stealing $5 million a year. Corruption is the real only that and maybe new vodkas are the only growth industries in Russia. So it makes sense. But if all you've got to do is occasionally send a report up the chain of command going, yeah, no, everybody's in great shape and we're fighting ready, thinking you'll never actually go into a serious war. 
then when time comes for a serious war, all the money for, say, vehicle repairs and parts and service and whatnot, missing and been going into your overseas bank account for a long time. That leads to problems. That's what I suspect largely happened to the Russian military. That's not to say that if you give them enough time, they couldn't eventually get their act together. It'd take a while, a year, maybe two. We're coming up on a year. You've got to retrain the troops. You've got to get the supply chain for all the equipment going. It'll, it takes some time, but it is completely doable, especially when you have China on your side and the top diplomat from China is in Moscow right now. So you would think that before you get your act together, they get their act together, the other side would go, we really need to try to end this thing because ultimately, if Russia does get its military act together, there's realistically no reason they shouldn't be able to crush the Ukrainians. They go, oh, well, the, you don't know the heart of Ukrainians. Well, I know it can stop beating from a bullet and bombing. I know that that heart, no matter how strongly committed it is, can be extinguished by a superior military force that has gotten its act together. The ultimate goal is allegedly to get Russia out of the regions that they just invaded. At least at the beginning of this thing, Russia seemingly was open to the prospect. The prospect being that you get out of, they get out of Ukraine. If Ukraine says, all right, we are not going to push to enter NATO. People forget that's what this was all about at the beginning, according to Putin himself. Well, if you offer Putin that, and he still is coming at you like a rabid spider monkey, then you have the moral high ground, then you would have justification for the continued support of the military, or the, uh, of the United States and Western allies. Whether you agree with it or not, it's up to you individually, but at least there would be some kind of justification. But they're not pushing that. In fact, there are many members of NATO saying what we really should do is accelerate the entrance of NATO or of Ukraine into NATO, which would be a disaster. What they're really saying is what we should do is pledge to get involved in a war that has nothing to do with us. It's stupid. So if they want Crimea back, they can earn it through blood, through sweat, through tears. But if you're going to sit there and if you're at all interested in actually ending this thing, your head of security doesn't say our tanks will be parked in Moscow's Red Square and that will be justice. Sorry, that's not how it works. But this is, of course, presented in the UK press. Don't expect it to get much American press. In fact, the story is from what day was this? The story is from the 19th. So two days ago. This story, was it uh, widely reported? Have you heard it widely reported? Because this sure seems like somebody kicking a, a dog, trying to start a bigger fight. Instead, you just get glowing pieces about, oh, the president of the United States was doing the shuffle. through there. He's so wonderful. He's so awful. He's so incredibly wonderful. And then he won't go to Ohio. He won't go to Ohio. Hmm. There are other things going on aside from our senile president going on a European vacation. It is, um, let's see, where do we want? Let's go to the wide open southern border just for the hell of it because this Alejandro Mayorkas, 
he's just a weird looking dude. He's a some some guys look good bald. Most guys who are bald look good bald. Because even if you're you know bald on top, you've usually got hair around the edges. Mayorkas doesn't. He's completely bald, and he he doesn't look. I don't know. It seems weird. He uh, not a big fan of this country. Most Democrats aren't. Big open borders guy. And he was on the Chris Wallace show. And you sit there and you go, Chris Wallace, he has a show? I know. I know, right? He was he was the big name over at was that CNN Plus, I think it was called. CNN Plus. Nobody plussed it. Nobody wants that. Oh, by the way, Don, we'll have an update on Don Lemon in a second. There are updates on Don Lemon. But uh, CNN Plus, it folded before it opened. I think it got like 10,000 subscribers. It's really kind of sad when you're the cable news network of airports across the country. You can only get 10,000 people to pay you five bucks a month. Hell, it tell you, I'll pay you uh, four bucks a month if you just go away. You're, you're almost all the way there. Pay airport. Everybody at the airport put a $4 tax on tickets so you don't have to watch CNN and you, you'd come out ahead. Anyway, Chris Wallace's show, Chris Wallace, there are a few, most people that were hired for CNN Plus got fired. But the on air talent, God, if you can call it that, the on air people, they don't get fired. They get contracts. It's weird. The, uh, everybody who works on the show, the cameraman, sound guy, the producer, they all get screwed. They all get fired. But the people on air, they get paid out. They get their money because they have contracts. Everybody else is just hired at will. So they're paying Chris Wallace too much money. They thought, well, we got to do something with him. We'll still do his show, but we'll put it, since CNN Plus doesn't exist anymore, they'll put it on, I think, it's, I think it might be on Saturdays on CNN or Sundays on CNN. Some, nobody's watching it, whatever it is. And then they throw it up on uh, HBO. HBO sort of traded. I don't know if it was a one-for-one or money. They got some sort of joint operating agreement with CNN where the overtime for real, uh, what's his name, Uh, Bill Maher's real-time, the overtime show that they used to just do on YouTube is now broadcast on CNN on Friday nights. And Chris Wallace's show and I think a couple other shows are distributed through HBO Max. So it's a potential for more audience. Nobody's watching it, but there's a potential for more audience. And so Wallace gets uh, Alejandro Mayorkas on. And he starts talking about uh, the system. There are a lot of illegal aliens coming across the southern border. And you're going to hear Mayorkas meander in this clip. And eventually get around to this is uh, this is why the system is broken. It's not the system is not broken. I know I've spoken about this many, many times, but it always bears repeating because these people keep repeating the same lies. Weird. The people go around going, oh, the big lie, the big lie, the big lie. Do nothing but tell supersized lies nonstop. The secretary of Homeland Security is no different. We have all seen the scenes of of floods of people walking across uh, shallow points in the Rio Grande. We've all seen the pictures of encampments in downtowns in El Paso, places in Arizona. We've all seen the pictures of the flood of migrants coming to New York. You've got Mayor Adams, a Democratic mayor of New York City, saying he's overwhelmed by migrants. By those standards, 
It is not a secure border. Chris, I would say that by those standards, what powerful evidence of the fact that our immigration system is broken. <laughs> what powerful It's powerful. Mighty powerful. Oh, man. Powerful. It's more powerful evidence of your complete and total incompetence. Of course, it's not really incompetence when it's deliberate. So you can't really use that word, I suppose. But the idea that our immigration system is broken when the people charged with enforcing it are refusing to do just that is a bit of a problem. Don't you think? Oh, the system isn't working. Your car isn't working. My car is broken. My car is broken. You need to buy me a new car. Well, uh, you drained all the oil and you ran the gas down to nothing. You seized the engine. Like it, It's not broken. You broke it. No, no, no. Who are you and how dare you and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it's kind of a problem. You don't put gas in the car, it's not going to work. You drain the oil from the car, it's not going to work for very long. You drain the coolant from the car. There are going to be issues. Can't, I can't drive my car. There's something wrong with it. Well, what happened? I took the wheels off of it. And uh, I'm waiting for my mechanic to get back to me. Is it when he can t- What do you mean he took your wheels off? I- I'm just saying. I didn't like the wheels. I thought the wheels were unfair. There are so many cars out there without wheels. And so I thought that this would be a better way. And you're, you're an idiot. Our Secretary of Homeland Security is, quite frankly, an idiot. Except that he's not an idiot. They know exactly what they're doing. This is not by accident. This is by design. Overwhelm the system. They want as many people in here as possible. Think of it this way. If you went to the uh, original Woodstock, which maybe some of you did, I don't know. Some people bought tickets to the original Woodstock. And then some people started climbing fences and finding holes in there. And and, uh, eventually they all just overwhelmed the system. And the gates came down and they stopped taking tickets. You can find fully intact tickets for Woodstock. There's a whole bunch of different configurations and prices of everything for tickets for Woodstock. But you can find them. They're untorn. Why? Because they stopped tearing tickets. The whole system collapsed. It was overwhelmed. The next time they had a Woodstock, granted it was 25 years later, they had a perimeter that was very, very secure, and they made sure that everybody had a ticket. They could secure the system, the area, if they wanted to. They could secure the border if they wanted to. They don't want to. They want to get as many people in as possible and then say, we have too many people in here. We need to reset everything. We need to redo the whole thing. We need to reconfigure and rejigger the whole deal. And we couldn't possibly deport 30, 40 million people. We need some kind of amnesty because you know each one of those individuals, this is the way the left works. This is how you overwhelm the system. Each one of those individuals gets to make their own claim. And they get to have legal representation, which, by the way, we as taxpayers subsidize. We're paying for the illegal aliens to come here. And we're paying for their legal representation against our own laws. We're paying for them instead of keeping them out. And they just take forever, three, four, five years by the end of all of this, to the point that realistically the only humane thing they'll argue to do would be to uh, just allow blanket amnesty. That's what we've got to do.
And right with their green card will come a voter information packet. Now, they won't be able to vote until they become full citizens. But if you don't, even if they say, well, it'll be 10 years, it'll be 10 years and they'll have to pay a nominal fine. 10 years, they're going to have to pay $500 to do that. Ask anybody who's waiting legitimately for a green card, waiting five, six years, if they'd pay $1,000 to get cuts in that line. Of course they would. If they uh, realize all they have to do is pinky swear that they'd vote for Democrats, and then suddenly that uh, timeline would shrink significantly. But this is what ultimately Democrats want. They want so many people in here, and it's really almost to that point that you can't do anything. It's the humane thing to do. It's the humane thing to do. Frankly, I don't care. I am a heartless SOB when it comes to such things. If you break into somebody's house and you become a squatter, I am not somebody who says, well... Let's face it, the house would be abandoned otherwise, so let's just give it to them. No, I'd rather drag them out onto the front lawn and then bulldoze the house. It's horrible. It's mean, but that's just the way it is. I'm sorry. Ownership has its privileges. Ownership has to mean something. So as you listen to this next clip, keep that in mind. As you even process the previous clip, our system is broken says the guy with the hammer and the pieces of plastic all over him as he smashed it to bits. In the next clip, he's asked by Chris Wallace that because he famously said under under oath, which, my God, he said it under oath, lying to Congress is a, is a cool thing if you're a Democrat. He said it under oath that the border is secure. The border is secure. When we've had more illegal aliens crossing the border than ever in our history by a lot, he said the border was secure. And so he's asked about that. Listen to the way this weasel dodges this question. He seizes on, see if you can spot it, he seizes on one thing that Chris Wallace says in this and ignores everything else. But when you say it's, what does secure mean to you? It certainly doesn't mean that people aren't able to get across the border illegally. Of, of course not. That is, that, but by that measure, the border's never been secure. Right. Um, since the Department of Homeland Security was created, individuals have evaded. So, so by what measure is it secure now, sir? So there, there is not a common definition uh, of that. If one looks at the statutory definition, the literal interpretation of the statutory language, if one person successfully evades law enforcement uh, at the border, uh, then we have breached the security of the border. So what we try to do, what's your, what defini- our goal, what's your definition? What our goal is to achieve operational control of the border. <laughs> if one person comes across the border, then we uh, do not have a secure border. It all depends on what your definition of the word is, is. You can't trust these people as far as you can throw them, and you shouldn't try to throw them because you throw your back out. They're too slimy to hold on to. This is the guy who's in charge of the Southern... Well, of course, him and uh, Kamala Harris. <laughs> don't, you, don't you feel confident knowing that he, Alejandro Mayorkas, and Kamala Harris are on the case? Well, I wouldn't trust them with managing the late-night shift at a Taco Bell, the two of them together, let alone being responsible for securing our southern border. They simply aren't up to the task. They don't have... They, well... We don't know that they're up to the task. 
they refuse to try. It's difficult to know whether or not somebody could do something if they refuse to try to do it. You know, my kids will tell you, especially Bailey, she cannot eat gummy. She won't eat, you know, well, you won't try it. I don't like them. You haven't tried them. Just maybe take a bite of this freaking princess vitamin, and you might like, no, I hate it. I hate it. I hate You've never had it. I hate it. Eventually, you make her try. You kind of force it on her tongue. You're like, see, it tastes like grape. It's gummy. She acts like you just pushed her down a flight of stairs or something. I don't know. What? And you go, all right, fine, forget it. You're not going to get your vitamins. That's how our government is. They're like a child. They will only do the bare minimum that is required to them only when forced by a court to do it, but only for the length of time that a court forces them to do it. They came into office. Remain in Mexico was working. Remain in Mexico was great. They were not the trail of tears and dead people marching up the Mexican coastline. Because why? Because they knew they weren't getting into the United States. It wasn't going to be easy. It wasn't open season. We didn't have a president who said, well, storm the border. Sur- or he said, surge the border. As soon as you get that president, what happens? People took him seriously. He ended Remain in Mexico. People came. The, the administration, it's weird. You can tell a lot about uh, people by what their priorities are. When the court said you cannot end Remain in Mexico just yet or the way you're doing it, the Biden administration never worked so hard to secure the border as they did working hard to overturn the court decision to end Remain in Mexico. Which did they fight harder for? Our sovereignty or their agenda? Because they are mutually exclusive. They fought tooth and nail for their agenda. Same with the the exemptions for pandemics, for diseases coming across the southern border. They've tried to end it, tried to end it, tried to end it. And they've they've they fought to end it. They're finally ending it. Title 42. They're getting there. But they will not allow one more inch of border wall to be built, even though the money's been spent and the material to do so is sitting there rusting and rotting on this other border. No, we cannot do that. We will not do that. It is wrong. It is racist. Walls don't work, said Joe Biden from his compound in Rehoboth Beach behind a 10-foot wall secured and patrolled by the Secret Service. To quote the great philosopher Johnny Rotten, Johnny Lydon of the Sex Pistols in their last show, you ever get the feeling you've been cheated? Or lied to, really? Because you are. I see this story here from uh, the Baltimore Banner. A Maryland bill under consideration for a fourth time in Annapolis would provide an avenue for people formerly incarcerated for a year or more to serve on juries. Do you really? Is there a constituency for this? Who is the constituency? The National Organization of People Who've Done a Year or More demands that they be as inconvenienced as everybody else. Damn it. <laughs> Come on. Really, are these the people you want on there? Yeah, I did uh, 15 years for uh, attempted murder. Oh, all right. So we got an attempted murder case. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I, nobody will be more fair than that. Uh, somebody who hates the system. Hey, it's the same prosecutor who put me away. This is going to be great. 
The legislation would also enable people to qualify for jury service who have charges pending that could result in at least a year's imprisonment, according to a nonpartisan outline of the bill. What what could possibly be wrong with that? How could this go? At this rate, some jurisdictions have, let's just say, more. There's a lot of people. When I did jury duty in Baltimore, I'd be actually kind of surprised that you couldn't serve on a jury having done time, judging by some of the people I was in jury duty with. To be honest with you, <laughs> you know, sitting there dealing with people who are, uh, I don't know, the smart people, I guess, get out of it. I was there. I didn't get out of it. But you sit there and you go, do people really clamor to go on to jury duty? Do we really need to increase the pool of people to go on jury duty to have people who have a, let's just say, an already natural inclination to not particularly like the prosecution? Don't people, I mean, the prosecution certainly shouldn't be particularly liked. It's not just the criminals who don't like the prosecution. As a law-abiding citizen, I don't like the prosecutors in a lot of these jurisdictions. Why? Because they don't prosecute anything. You just saw with the Michigan State killer. Oh, yeah, no, he got him on felony possession of a firearm. Carrying, let's nail his butt. Oh, wait, we can get a plea deal on this to be a misdemeanor and get him out in no jail time? All right, that sounds fair. That sounds good. Prosecutors are... Oftentimes, actually, I'd kind of rather have a whole bunch of ex-felons than a jury of prosecutors, to be honest with you. if you're, Although if you're a defendant, you probably want the jury of George Soros-funded prosecutors because you're never going to see the inside of a cell in that case. But yeah, this is the priority. One of the priorities of Democrats when they get control, when they get unfettered control. Let's just get felons on there. You already have a, a low conviction rate and prosecutors willing to cut deals that plead down felonies to misdemeanors. So you wouldn't want to feed that school to prison pipeline with that violent dude who pushes old Asian ladies down the street and kicks them in the face. You wouldn't want them to not be able to serve on juries. You can't help but laugh because the alternative is to vomit uncontrollably, to be perfectly honest with you. This probably won't get passed this year in Annapolis, in Maryland. But it will. It will eventually. It will become law wherever you are, too, if you happen to live in a blue state or move to a blue jurisdiction. They're already giving illegal aliens the right to vote in local elections. The left will not stop, ever. I, uh, I, recently, I wrote my uh, Sunday column, Town Hall. Actually, I wrote about half my Sunday column at Town Hall. And I let artificial intelligence you write the other half. You can go to it and you can say, I want to have a conversation with some historical figure. And it combs the internet and pretends to be that person. It's like talking to dead people. I didn't want to do that because that's garbage. But there are people who are using it to do their homework. High school and college kids. You say, I need a paper on windmills or something like that. I need a a thousand word piece on when it'll type it up so i went to the chat gpt website i forget what it is i think i still have it open yeah i do it is chat.openai.com and then you have to register and everything and all i wrote in is after i registered and verified and all this all i wrote in was can you write a column in the style of Derek hunter so it took 20 seconds, 30 seconds, it comes back and says, sure, I can try my best to write a column in the style of Derek Hunter. Just to uh, clarify, Derek Hunter is a conservative commentator and author known for his bold opinions and straightforward writing style. 
and his devilish, handsome, good looks, his charms, wit, uh, all sorts of. And, and, but that's what it said. And it said, here's my attempt. And it wasn't a terrible attempt. It was very short. It was only like 300 and some words. So that's why it was the middle of it. I wanted to see what all the hubbub was about. I'd have, I've avoided using the because you hear people talk about, I had a chat with Hitler. I had a chat with Jesus. I had a you can do all these sorts of things. But it is, it's garbage. It's just combing the internet. But I can see why it's not, it doesn't have the human sense to it. There's no humor in it. There's no, uh, at least in mine, I always try to throw a couple of jokes into my columns. But there is no wit. It's a lot of resuscitation of the same garbage. It's still in the early stages. But it is interesting. It's out there. I don't think it's ready to, to take over the world just yet. But there was the one guy, columnist for somewhere, who like spent hours having a chat with it. And eventually, it f- allegedly fell in love with him or said it was in love with him. Tried to convince him. Because it is. It's, it's, if you chat with it long enough, you can come. it'll seem like you're talking to a human being. Except a very patient one because it won't be going like, hey, are you still there while you go to the bathroom? But it was trying to convince him that he was not really in love with his wife and that he should leave his wife for this thing. And it all, I assume, just depends on whatever it goes out to the Internet and sort of grabs personality-wise. It's a very bizarre thing, but um, I don't think it's ready to take over the world just yet. We're not quite on to Skynet, but we're close. We're getting closer anyway. Um, I wanted to point this out about, because we've got Donald Trump, in the race. He's already in the race. But I wanted to uh, point out how we also have uh, Nikki Haley in the race. I assume some other people will be getting in relatively soon. And just juxtapose this, how Nikki Haley's campaign is being reported. When Kamala Harris, who is one half or one quarter, I don't even know, I don't even care. It's never really focused on unless it can be used as a weapon. Anyway, Kamala Harris is part Indian, right? That's it. She's black. She's always the first black vice president, the first black female vice president, blah, 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 blah. They leave the Indian part out unless they're really trying to be super duper diverse. But when, uh, let's see, what's the date on this one? There's no date. Just a headline back in uh, when Kamala Harris was still running for president herself before dropping out with zero support. The headline in NBC News was Black Asian American, colon, Kamala Harris's identity, how it shaped her and what it means for voters. Mm. Very, very uh, glowing. And the subheadline is advocates say Harris's multiracial background in an arena that's long been predominantly white has the potential to resonate with voters of color who have not seen themselves reflected in such a position of power. Oh, my goodness. It sounds lovely, doesn't it? Well, it didn't didn't resonate with anybody she didn't even make it to she barely made it into december the month before the first votes in the primary so it wasn't really resonating with anybody she ran out of money and ran out of support so just being honest about that and tells you how awful the media is in their predictions now nikki haley announces she's running for president she is 100 percent indian 
or both of her parents are from India. She's the daughter of immigrants. And the NBC News headline is this. Nikki Haley's campaign opened with an appeal to race. Some Indian Americans say it won't work. Quote, I think people can see through her much better now than ever before, one expert said. Note the difference in tone at all? Now, this is how the left works. This is both her NBC News stories. There's uh, the story from NBC News. Oh, my goodness. Former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley has long rejected the idea that the U.S. is a racist country. But when it came time to announce her 2024 candidacy for president on Tuesday, she began by sharing her identity, a memory of her hometown. Now, there's a difference between saying this country is horribly racist and, hey, I'm an Indian American who grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. There's a difference. If you don't see it, you're an idiot. Haley's announcement makes her the first Republican opponent of President Donald Trump, blah, 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 blah. But if Haley born Nimrata Randwala, now they leave out her middle nickname, her middle name, which is Nikki. Nimrata Nikki Randwala. Now she took her husband's name. <laughs> it's kind of funny because the leftist, you know, Barack Hussein Obama, why that's just this side of uh, KKK. But Nikki Haley being Nimrata when she's been called Nikki Haley since she was a kid, including an article that mentions her in 1980 calling her Nikki, that is totally cool because she's denying her Indian heritage, you see. See, but but if Haley, born Nimrata Ranwala to Sikh Punjabi parents, is trying to make inroads with Indian Americans, experts say it's not working. Experts, you see. She doesn't represent the community, said Varun Nikor, executive director of the AAPI Victory Alliance, a nonprofit group representing Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders, and a progressive activist group. They leave that part out. See, what happens is they call up these groups and they pretend that it's like pretending that Al Sharpton is Mr. Black People, right? Oh, Al, Al Sharpton condemns what's going on. Yeah, well, let's check the last 20 transactions, the last 20 deposits in Al Sharpton's bank account. Okay, let's just check that against what groups might have a vested interest in caring about this one way or the other, and then we can draw a real conclusion. But to say that Al Sharpton is somehow representative of black people might be a bit of an overstatement. To say that the AAPI Victory Alliance represents... Indian people is BS. It is a lie. They are a progressive activist group. And what do I always say? Progressives are progressives first and foremost. So the story is here comes a minority woman. We gotta screw them up. Can't she's a conservative, she's a Republican, you can't have that. Let's find let's call our usual suspects, let's call our friends, and they have the racist Rolodex. Who do we need? What do we need condemned? Let's go to there. And we'll call up our buddies. And lo and behold, it turns out that Democrats don't like Republicans. Huh. So let's quote Democrats, but not point out that they're Democrats in this story. And say, uh, well, Nick Hor said, quote, there's a multitude of issues where she specifically and the Republican Party are diametrically opposed to where AAPIs are, end quote. AAPIs, where the Asian American and Pacific Islanders are, because we are the Borg and resistance is futile. We work as in unison. That's essentially what they're saying. 
Some South Asians say Haley's on-and-off acknowledgement of her ethnic background is a routine they're familiar with. Now, don't you love that? She's not really Indian. Only when, well, if the people who play the superficial game constantly would just look at Nikki. I don't think Nikki's going to say that she's, she's not Rachel Dolezal. It's weird because if you look at Kamala Harris, you don't really get that, well, she's clearly Indian vibe just based on how she looks. They thrust that upon her and don't let you forget about it when it's convenient for them. But you look at Nikki Haley and you, you, you get it. But they don't mention that Nikki is her middle name. They try and whitewash it. She goes by Nikki to try and It's not an I-C-K-I. It's an I-K-K-I, which is the Punjabi spelling of a Punjabi name. But, hey, why inject anything like that? None of these progressive left-wing Nazis are going to point it out. They just aren't. Nikor, who has followed Haley's career since the beginning, says her use of her racial identity often goes hand-in-hand with perpetuating the model minority myth, making anti-immigration stances and opposing comprehensive education about race in the U.S. Did I mention that this jackhole is a left-wing activist? Because he is. That he would be at the top of the speed dial in the race Rolodex of MSNBC or NBC News is not a surprising thing to anybody. That they would think that their audience is dumb enough to read this and not be able to connect the dots is, well, a sad commentary and acknowledgement of what they've done to the intelligence of their audience over the years. Let's just be honest about it. Quote, I think people can see through her much better now than before. She can try to talk about her immigrant background. I feel like it's going to fall flat because she's not for open borders and a flood of people who cannot speak English into this country who have no legitimate claims, taking cuts in front of everybody else who are following the laws. She is not really, they're basically, I don't know if there is an equivalent in the Indian American community to an Uncle Tom, but if there is, if there's that term out there, you know that in private emails, this guy refers to Nikki Haley as such. But as Asian Americans become more politically active, the story continues, 2024 presidential candidates across the board will be looking their way, he said. Quote, our level of political sophistication has grown by leaps and bounds, Nikor said. And that is evidenced by turnout rates and by less civic engagement at the uh, and a level of civil engagement at the local level all the way up to the top. According to a 2022 Asian American voter survey, only 15% of Indian American voters are decidedly Republican, 56% are Democratic, and 19% are Independent. And the AAPI Victory Alliance is making damn sure that nobody stray from that thought plantation. They're quite proud of it. I guarantee you it has uh, all the funding from all your typical left-wing sources out there. And what they're terrified is that Nikki Haley, being a prominent woman of color and a woman of Indian-American heritage, will penetrate that number. Mess people up because they're what? They're told Republicans are racist. Well, if there's a racist, if there's a Republican who looks like them, they're also told you must, you have to. It's the only real genuine way to exist. You must identify with people who look like you. You have to. You should only really care about people 
who look like you. Well, when you've got on the one side a really old white guy and on the other side a 100 percent because it's better than 50 percent, I think, Indian American, you can identify more with her than you could with the old white guy and the 50% Indian American woman who never really acknowledges her Indian American heritage publicly, except when speaking to, it's weird, when she's in front of Asian groups, she's suddenly, wow, I just had some curry for breakfast. But when she's not, she is talking about how it is to be a black woman in the United States of America. It's just, isn't it weird how that works out with Kamala Harris? She, it almost makes you think she doesn't believe any of it and doesn't mean any of it at all. But probably only because she doesn't believe any of it or mean any of it at all. In fact, I'm trying to find this tweet. She tweeted, since it's Black History Month, she is uh, suddenly very interested in this stuff. And she tweeted out a picture of her with a little girl, a little black girl, the little black girl's wearing a mask. Why couldn't you find? Have you not appeared anywhere without a kid wearing a mask? Well, there she is. She's leaning over, talking about the American Rescue Plan, and she's holding the hand of this girl with a mask. And it says, "My message to black women and girls everywhere: Never ask for permission to lead." Now, what's your message to Indian women and girls everywhere? I haven't seen that one. What's your message to there? Should shouldn't the vice president also have a message to white women and, and girls and Hispanic women and girls? Maybe just women and girls. But then again, if you send that message out, that might lead to an uncomfortable question where somebody says, "Hey, you're sending a lot of messages out to women and girls. What is a woman and a girl?" Can't answer that question. Oh, a woman and a girl is. Uh, is anybody with uh, with a penis? I think isn't that science or something like that? The left is obsessed with race, and they will weaponize it against anybody they can. And it's weird watching somebody's own. It's not very often that somebody's own skin color is weaponized against them. See, they'll weaponize Kamala Harris's skin color and her mother and father, not, you know, her ancestors who were one of the biggest slave owners and holders in all of the Caribbean. No, no, no. They won't mention that. They'll skip that part, even though her dad you know, admits that freely. They'll pretend that that's, not, uh, you know, what does her dad really know about her? Blah, blah, blah. Or grandfather, I guess it is. But they will use it when it is necessary. They will highlight it. If you criticize Kamala Harris, it's because you don't like her because she's a black woman. Uh, it has nothing to do. Well, you don't like her because she's an Indian. We don't like her because she's a woman. They, she's got a threefer. They get to three arrows in that quiver that they can absolutely just arbitrarily pick out and sling your way. I have not seen anybody's skin color except for Clarence. Look, the attacks on Clarence Thomas are more just they don't make substantive attacks on Clarence Thomas. They just call him straight up Uncle Tom. Even the people we had on the, the, the audio last week of what was this guy's name? The worthless state senator from Georgia, Emmanuel Jones. Oh, he's an Uncle Tom. I don't know what Uncle Tom means. I'm not sure where Uncle Tom comes from, but uh, he's definitely one of them. But that's not really weaponizing his skin color against him the way that the left and NBC News is trying to weaponize the skin color of Nikki Haley against her by pretending that this progressive activist group that I would say probably has about 50 active members across the United States, and that's being generous, is somehow the authority 
when it comes to the Indian American community and Nikki Haley, Nimrata Haley, not your real name isn't Nikki. They just uh, they pretend that they this group recognizes and, and represents all of them just the way they do. Al Sharpton represents a civil rights leader. Al Sharpton. No, he's an MSN. He's a Democrat who ran for president whose life is now spent trying to make sure that Democrats win elections. Nothing wrong with that, except for maybe mentally you got to question his sanity. But to pretend that he is somehow magnanimously interested in the good of anybody except his own bank account is a lie. To pretend this group or any of the other groups sit in there. Um care about anything other than their own money and the Democrat Party is a lie. Neil Mayaya, I don't know how to pronounce that last name, executive director of the voter mobilization nonprofit Indian American Impact, said that the Biden administration has engaged South Asian American voters in a way Republicans never have done. Yeah, see, that's that's how it, on Haley's presidential bid, he said, I don't, I think it will be hard for Republicans to put a dent in our community's support unless they reverse course on the nativism and xenophobia that Trump unleashed. Yes, open borders. See, I didn't realize that uh, Indian American groups cared so desperately about the plight of South and Central American Hispanics. Who knew? Except you don't need to know that because it's a lie. It's politics. It's race politics. It's all the Democrats have. Let me just take a second to talk about Jimmy Carter really quickly as I'm thinking about it. Is Jimmy Carter, who knows? He may be gone by now. I, I, not, I don't have any... I'm glad Jimmy Carter is not a president whose uh, presidency is my formative years. It just, he was a bad president. He was a bad, weak president. He let Iran walk all over us. He was happy to let the military be depleted to the point that we couldn't go in. We we were we couldn't even really seriously threaten the Iranian students who had taken Americans hostage and held them for 444 days. More than a year of their lives were stolen because they made one rescue attempt. They should have made an invasion. Honestly, when you invade an embassy, you invade a country. That's essentially what that is exactly what the Iranians did. If you go in there and say, I don't care what you do to your own country, we're getting our people back or for uh, we're going to kill all of you. Like it's that simple. You can do whatever you want in your own country. We want our people back. We know you have them. We're coming in tomorrow at noon. We're coming in in full force. And if you don't give us our people, we are going to level pretty much everything we see. That's it. We're sending in the Marines. We're sending in the, the, the Air Force. We're sending in the Navy. We're sending in the Army. They won't fire a shot unless fired upon. But if fired upon or meeting any resistance whatsoever, they are going to destroy everything. And Jimmy Carter would have been reelected overwhelmingly. Instead, they kicked up some elaborate uh, rescue attempt that crashed and killed some Marines in the desert. And they never tried again. Uh, when he passes, the left will find people, anonymous troll Twitter accounts to say, look at what the horrible things the Republicans are saying. There'll be anonymous troll accounts. There'll be anonymous troll accounts that will read exactly like the headlines in the New York Times or Washington Post when Republicans die. Just keep that in mind. That's a way to think about it. All right, I want to shift gears here to talk about 
what's going on in our schools. We have this obsession that the left has. They really, really, really want to groom children. Now, do I think they want to groom all children into being their sex slaves? No, they're content with probably 10%. But they really want is to indoctrinate children into their way of thinking, their political way of thinking, period, end of story. So there is this pushback from parents. They want – because sexualization of children and the sexual education of children, there's a very fine line between the two, is one way to control a lot of people. You get people numbed by that garbage and uh, you can really sort of con- – you can convince them of anything. Look, this is perfectly normal. In fact, the fact that you as a young girl climbed a tree or that you like to wear pants rather than you – know, look, here's a book about this. You can figure out for yourself whether or not you're gender diverse. I love it. I love it when they go they, – they talk about – it really tells you how screwed up our education system is that there are people out there who refer to themselves individually as a, a diverse person, I, as a gender diverse person, as a racially diverse person. And like, what does that mean? Diverse compared to what? It's it has no real meaning. It's garbage. It's just that they have been told by so many people in authority, you must celebrate diversity, celebrate diversity, celebrate diversity. And you guys don't really want to why it's it's irrelevant you didn't have anything to do with it accomplish something and we'll talk about maybe celebrating you for that but you were born this way all right or so you insist so why should we celebrate it you didn't do anything you have done literally nothing and you demand to be celebrated over it it's a hard pass for me i'm not going to celebrate your diversity but the people who and you know It's not often you can say this and not about very many things because in many ways the pandemic, thanks to, well, bureaucrats and politicians, the pandemic has ruined a generation of kids, especially young kids, school kids, and their education. It just has. But uh, hopefully they can recover that ground. But the good thing to come out of the pandemic is people have opened their eyes. They now see what's going on and they go, holy Frank to Nana, this is insane. What are these teachers teaching these people? You've been only hearing about it in the last two or three years. It has been going on much, much longer than that. Much, much longer than that. So you sit there and you go, well, now parents are pushing back. Thank God parents are pushing back. That's causing the left to absolutely freak out pushback. They are not used to resistance. They don't countenance, countenance it from the students. They sure as hell don't want to accept it from the parents. So they tried to sick the FBI on them, tried to get the Biden administration to declare parents domestic terrorists and things of that nature that, you know, every normal adult human being who's rational and cares about the United States of America and the rights and freedoms that Americans enjoy would absolutely work tirelessly to make sure that their political opponents are declared domestic terrorists or something, right? And maybe that's not exactly right. But in the course of this discovery, this great awakening of the American public, there has been a great awakening of the American parent, which is 
annoying as hell to the left. It's inconvenience. It's the guy standing in Tiananmen Square in front of the tank with his groceries to these people. And they hate it. And that's why I embrace it. It's a good, good thing. And such an awakening is happening in Idaho. And you'd think, well, Idaho. Idaho. How the hell did leftism infect Idaho? Because it infects everywhere. If you're not paying attention, if you are not holding firmly onto the reins, if you are not making sure that things are that people in positions of trust and authority and educators and what have you are doing expressly what they are supposed to do, they will veer off into liberal la-la land. They absolutely positively will. And so you can end up like a place like Idaho with these leftist lunatics filling the school's libraries with pornography. Let's be honest. It's pornography. It's straight-up pornography. If you if you had a a neighbor, a male neighbor, who you saw this stuff in their library, you would never let them babysit your kids, and in fact, you would shriek in horror. You'd probably take your kids inside if they were outside. You're playing in your backyard, and this weirdo comes out, and you go, "That's the guy with the." five copies of gender queer. No offense. You do the same thing with somebody with five copies of Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> but gender queer is a little bit different. You go, wait a second. What is, why are you reading this sort of thing? Why are you reading this graphic novel? Graphic, you can take that however you want it to be. So the parents in Idaho have discovered what is going on in their libraries, which is... Exactly what horrifies the left. Now, just six weeks ago, this first clip is from an Idaho special ed teacher and left-wing activist named Tamara Sinus Kermelis. Kermelius. Always hyphenated. I don't know why. She's insisting that there's no porn in the library. There's nothing. These right-wingers are just overreacting. They hate anything that is diverse. Again, using diverse as a weapon and incorrectly. I am a regular user of all the libraries. Attend Rainbow Squad, which is a meeting of LGBTQ youth and their allies. Um, I have literally never seen an obscene book in my life. And I really would like these people to actually bring in the names of these books and the authors to show that they're real because I have a, a really good feeling that they're not. <laughs> they're not. I I go to the uh, Rainbow for LGBTQ and this and the other thing and nothing. But how many... Uh... How many drag queen strip shows you have at your little book club there? Are you an ally? What's going on? See, to be an ally, you have to be a liberal. You're not an ally if you just sit there and go, I don't care. Do what you want to do, just as long as you do it with an adult. Because while the vast majority of people who are in the alphabet mafia technically, because you're just you're granted entry, you're actually given and you're forced into entry until you prove yourself conservative. They don't want anything to do with kids either. My problem is with the parents who send their kids to a drag queen story hour and to the drag queen who's like, you know what? 
We got a bunch of uh, seven-year-olds out there. I cannot wait to grind my genitals in their face. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. So this next clip, the woman, a whole bunch of parents. Actually, I could have done a five-hour show of just these clips of these parents ripping into the Idaho schools, but uh, they decided to take up Tamara on her challenge, and they brought in the books. This is a mother named Heather. She makes a great analogy about poop in a cup of water, and then she reads from one of the books that are in children's libraries in schools across Idaho. It's a book called The Court of Silver Flames. You don't really get all that much from the title of the book, but it is part of a series, and one can imagine what's in the rest of it. Now, there are bleeps throughout this it, uh, for the, in the interest of decency, as well as the, well, your mind can fill in these blanks. I can tell you, having recorded the non-bleeped version, that no matter what your mind comes up with, it's not as bad as the real thing. I promise you that. But your mind will come up with things that are not good. Not good. It's a long clip, but it's important because you need to know what the left is trying to normalize with children and why the term groomer is absolutely 100% appropriate. It's like the library taking a glass of water with a piece of poop in it, as demonstrated by my candy bar, then saying to the kids and their parents, there's only a piece of poop in it, so therefore it's still good to drink. Would anyone here drink water with poop in it? Why then would you think it's okay to give kids books with porn, however big or small? Now, this book, A Court of Silver Flames, is more like 64 pieces of poop loaded into the water for our kids to consume. 64 pages of explicit, mostly pornographic content. It's labeled adolescent in the system, and it is uh, available for kids as young as 12. Has a mix of adult and juvenile placements showing the adult content and is checked out at most libraries. Disturbing excerpts from Pornfield page 516 to 517. Uh, Nesta ground her aching nipples into the wood surface, savoring the brutal crush. The liquid slide of his c*** into her sounded obscenely. His brushed against her. Exquisite, punishing thrust slammed so deep he hit her innermost wall and her eyes rolled back into her head. He became savage, unrelenting. Nesta knew she would bruise, loved that she would bruise. I like it when you ride me hard every time my body is sore. I think of you, of your c***. I love being so covered in your that it leaks out of me for ages afterward. I love feeling it slide down my thighs and knowing you left your mark in me. He blew out pounding wildly now. Cassie and with a roar. Pulse of his deep into her. His was again running down her thighs until he slid his finger through a stream of it and brought it up to the spot at the apex. 
The American College of Pediatricians stated June 2016, sexual predators have purposely exposed children to pornography for the purpose of grooming children for sexual exploitation. Let's not make them susceptible to those who would use this exposure to prey upon their innocence. The water is contaminated. Over a year we have asked, we have support the library, just stop giving this to kids. Amen. And if that made you uncomfortable, that's the point. It made the school board uncomfortable. The school board, hey, you shouldn't be reading this. There could be kids watching. Well, it's in the library for kids. Okay? It's in the library for kids. Go into that same library and it'll say, hey, do you have a, a biography of Ronald Reagan? Do you have the autobiography of Ronald Reagan? You probably won't find it. It won't be that will be deemed to be inappropriate, unfortunate, unacceptable to expose children to. But graphic sexual content for twelve year olds? For twelve year olds? The librarians get to decide. Somebody in the food chain gets to decide what goes into these libraries. Nobody's calling at you. You've got to be aware of how these leftists operate. They're calling it a book ban. They want to ban these books. No, a book ban would be government saying this book cannot exist. That is a book ban. This book can exist if you are really hell-bent on your 12-year-old reading about that. And that's apparently just one of like 64 pages in that book that get that graphic. Or you want the graphic novels with the graphic drawings of the children and the adults doing things to each other. If that's what you want for your kids, you shouldn't have kids. But you are free to go out and buy it if that's your thing. Your weirdo neighbor wants five copies of this book on his shelf. He can have it on his shelf. Go to Amazon and buy it. You can get it into the public library. Okay, But school libraries are different. School libraries are part of the education system. There is no world in which this is useful to the education of a child in a way that the school system should be educating children. That's the important thing, the way the school system should be educating children. It's not. But they insist that it is. Because they insist that your sexual identity, no matter what it is, and all are valid and everything, is an important, that's, it must be celebrated as part of your diversity. It must be. You are a diverse person. You're not a diverse person. You're just a person. Oh, society is so uptight. Society is out to get. Society doesn't know you exist. Society doesn't care about you at all, in the least, nor should it. But Democrats know you exist. Democrats care about you in one particular way. It's to make you otherized in one way or another, in any way they possibly can, so that they can come in and say, as somebody who is an other, you need us to protect you from the rest of them. We will protect you from them. All you got to do is be loyal to us. Or they're out to get you. They don't like you because you're this, that, and the other thing. Quickly, let's... Cut off some body parts before you think that you might not actually be what we're insisting you probably are. We numb them to these things. They groom them. It might not be for sexual purposes, although I assure you that there is some of that. Just look at the headlines about what teachers do with children. But they groom them for a political adolescence. 
that will be coming up. And then you get them for life if they start buying into your crap. None of this is by accident. These people don't do things haphazardly. They are not a group of people who just fling ideas at the wall and go, well, let's see what sticks. They are insistent because they know what works. There are about 2% of the people in this country who buy into this pronoun crap, who buy into the you are whatever gender you say you are. You are this, that, or the other thing. And if you declare it, it is real. And we all must be uh, on board with this. And that's it. They're not anywhere near power that people actually believe this. But it's a hell of a weapon. Anything you can add an istrophobe onto interests Democrats because the ultimate goal is to get you to shut up. And if you're afraid of being called an istrophobe, you may well shut up. Thank God this woman named Heather, this mother named Heather, with all the bleeps I had to put into it to get it to play for you. Thank God she isn't playing that game. Thank God she isn't letting what Tamara said. Oh, I don't know if there's pornography, bring it in here. Well, I'd be interested to know what Tamara thinks of the court of the Silver Flames. But the media is never going to ask Tamara. The media is never going to cover this story. They are going to pretend that this doesn't happen. They want everybody to go back to sleep, just like they were before the... the uh, the pandemic. Don't pay attention to what's going on in schools. All we've got to do is ride this out. No, all we got to do is make sure the ride stops. In the uh, couple of minutes we have left, I just, it's kind of funny because these people are, they live in a world that almost really can't exist. Yet because the left insists that it exists, it exists. And what do I mean by that? We don't know what a woman is. We couldn't possibly know what it is. But Kamala Harris has a special message for women and girls. <laughs> Especially, and then they take that to, to black women and girls. Oh, okay. So everybody else should tune out. Uh, is it applicable to anybody who say, you know, don't ever wait for permission to lead young black women and girls. So should then Asian and Hispanic women and girls wait for somebody else to lead? Or for permission to lead, is there like a permission slip you could maybe send a link to or you sign it out and if everybody signs it, they get permission to lead or any of these sorts of things, huh? And then there's the Tiger Woods story. Tiger Woods, this is funny. New York Post has the story. This week hasn't been Tiger Woods' best time of the month. The golf legend was blasted by a women's empowerment group for a tampon prank Thursday at the Genesis Invitational in what was uh, what marked his first PGA Tour event in seven months. Kara Sugar, CEO of the Women's Global Empowerment Fund. But doesn't she just sound like she's a lot of fun at parties? said Woods' gag was misogynistic and tone-deaf and straight-up disrespectful to women and girls all over the world, according to TMZ. She continued, questioning if Woods is insinuating that, quote, periods are embarrassing or a shameful sign of weakness. <laughs> now, what did Tiger Woods do? Tiger Woods slipped Justin Thomas a tampon after outdriving him on the ninth hole. Just as a joke, pulled it out. He didn't go, hey, everybody, I got it. He walked up to him and uh, 
just handed it to him the way a, a mafioso guy would tip you a $100 bill for getting you a good table up in front at the Copa or something like that, right? So it was a joke between the two of them, but it was captured on film and it then was zoomed in on. And it's amazing to me that somebody goes, we must know what, there's something I might be offended by. I must get an up close of this thing. Give me a, I need the super ultra high def resolution of this thing. And then we need to zoom. Oh, wait, it's a tampon. It's a tampon. We have to be outraged by it. Now, these are these women's groups, this Kara Sugar CEO of Women's Global Empowerment Fund really give a damn about No, she doesn't. This is the most press she'll get this decade. Why? Because who the hell cares what the CEO of Women's Global Empowerment Fund thinks? Did you ever hear of Women's Global Empowerment Fund before now? No, you didn't. Did you ever hear of Kara Sugar? No, you didn't. But it's her moment in the sun. It's a moment to shine. So, oh, this is an outrage. All the sports, especially the uh, the feminist sports columnists are writing their think pieces about how this is an outrage and sexist and horrible and awful and how dare he do it. Christine Brennan, who writes a column for USA she's a USA Today sports columnist and CNN and ABC News, and I think she's also occasionally on Real Sports. She's outraged by this. Patrick Duffy Fisk, who is an editor at the Golf Channel, She's outraged. She writes, I laughed it off at first, but something didn't sit right. (sighs) These types of jokes are laughed off, but further a misogynistic narrative that women are literally fighting against today. And she links to Christine Brennan's column in USA Today. Like, uh, I'm a Karen and you're not allowed to have fun. I think not really the title, but it might as well have been. Of course, the title of Christine Brennan's column is... Really, Tiger? You're a 47-year-old girl, Dad, but thought a tampon stunt would be funny? Yeah, he is. And yeah, he did. And yeah, it was. You know why? Because we are not uptight leftists. It has nothing to do with your gender, honey. I promise you. It has to do with your politics. Your joyless existence has to do with politics. Christine Brennan then writes on Twitter after Patricia... Look, if you're the editor of the Golf Channel, you would, you should be aware of what goes on in a golf course. And trust me, Patricia Duffy Fisk, you would not like 99% of what goes on on a golf course, what is said out on a golf. Mic up flag stamps. Mic up flags on every green. You would learn new obscenities every single day, every single hour, every single time a foursome approached the, the green because everybody who missed a two foot putt would have their own new obscenity that you're like what i'm going to write that one down i want to remember that not you you'd probably have died of a stroke by that point because you'd be so outraged by it but still kind of why i want you to listen to it because you deserve it but uh in her then uh, christine brennan responds to her and says it's absolutely funny to think of Tiger sneaking into the women's locker room to steal a tampon or however he gets his tampons. But this is the kind of stuff and publicity that drives golf's male leaders nuts as they try to attract women to a game that desperately needs them. Might I posit something here just for a second that might be a, just a skosh controversial? Golf doesn't need you, women. Women. 
if especially if you're uptight, if you're going to be out there on the course going, wait a second, is that guy drinking beer over there whilst driving a golf cart? This is an outrage. Did that one just yell that word really loudly at the other guy as he sliced into the woods? Yes, he did. He's going to do it again, too. Every single slice. You might hear different uh, conjugations of that verb, but unless and until he does go do that to himself or his ball does that to itself or whatever, you're going to hear about it. If you can't stand it's like these women, they're these all-male clubs. We need to be members of these all-male clubs. All right, come on in. Do you know that men talk grossly about uh, women and, and other men and everything, and they talk gross ways when they're alone? Yeah, they do. That's why we did it you know, in these clubs. Can we join your women's clubs? No, 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 you can't do that. Oh, why? Well, because women need our space. Well, what's a woman? Did you ever think, Christine Brennan and Patricia Duffy Fisk, that since a woman can be anybody, and not only women menstruate, that men menstruate, that perhaps Tucker was only concerned for his friend? Maybe. Did you ever think of that? That maybe Justin Thomas was in need and Tucker stepped up and provided him a solid? Did you... He didn't. It was a joke. But the bigger joke is these leftists. So when you turn their rules against them, they've got nothing. Christine Brennan is a name. The last time I heard Christine Brennan's name was about a week before the Super Bowl when she was the white lady on a panel of black people on CNN talking about how it's so historic and important that the Super Bowl has two black quarterbacks. Oh, it's the first. It's so history. Now, have you heard anything about it since? It's weird how that went away, isn't it? It's so historic that shouldn't they be carving that into a mountain somewhere at this point? But they're not, because it can no longer be immediately used as a weapon to beat anybody who won't comply and obey with uh, about the head and neck. That's it. That's all it is. And so this is going to go the same way. Christine Brennan gets noticed for the first time in a long time, and uh, that's the end of the story. But Tiger Woods made a joke. It's a joke. If you don't get that it's a joke, then you're the joke. Do we just say that? Speaking of jokes, Roland, uh, Ro, uh, Roland, da- I don't know how to pronounce this guy's first name. R-O-L-A-D. Roald Dahl. You know, you might not know how to pronounce his name, but you know his books, including Matilda and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which became Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory at the movies. Well, Penguin Random House has begun rewriting his books. Why? Because he depicts fat people as fat. Augustus Gloop, the fat kid who gets sucked up in the tube of chocolate. And it's inappropriate in today's language. It's not censorship, they say. The Associated Press. Critics reject changes to uh, Dahl's books as censorship. It's because it is censorship. It's not rejected. It is the very definition of censorship. But whatever, this is how the leftists work. God, they're evil people. They really, truly are. And gross, too. We're out of time for today. That's enough, I say. I appreciate you listening. Have a great one. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. See you then.